Howdy. This is the Views from the Shot podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Thursday, July 13th, 2023, I wish you the happiest of National Beans and Franks Days, also known as Beanies and Weenies Day. Today's show, as always, is brought to you by Big Banter, the finest establishment in media for sports takes, content, the best Big Ten news platform out there, and maybe the only one out there. You can find Big Banter on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, and maybe even on Threads. You'd have to look to find out. Be sure to give them a follow and make sure that you also give us a follow at the shop pod on Twitter. And by the way, when we first started this show, most of our listeners were subscribers. Now that's kind of been flipped. Okay. So I don't care how it's done. And I'm definitely not too low to beg. But if you don't mind opening your phone, open your mom and dad's phone, your friends' phones too. Make sure you subscribe to the Views from the Shop podcast on Spotify, on Apple. Give us a rating as long as it's five stars. Anything less, we'll go ahead and pass on that for now. Make sure you follow us as well. We would appreciate all the love. Today's show is going to be good. Why? Because I said so. But also because I truly believe that today's show will be really solid. I do want to start, though. Last episode, last Friday... Came out and, you know, I admitted I have a back injury. If you missed that show, go back and listen to it, please. If you didn't miss that show, you know that I've got a, a hip, a back ailment due to doing... I'm a regular gym goer. It's a humble brag and I'm, I'm not big enough to admit that. That's fine. Here's the thing, alright? Went to the chiropractor two days ago. That would be Tuesday, July 11th. For those scoring at home... And I was there for less than five minutes, okay? They pull on my foot, big old pop in my right hip, boom, instant relief. You know, there's a lot of takes on the chiropractic field and whether it's quote-unquote real science or not or real healthcare or not. It's real, man. It's real. However, I will say, still got a little bit of pain, lower back. He said that's normal. That's what my chiropractor said. I'm not, I'm not a doctor of chiropractics, so... Don't quote me on if, if that's legit or not, but that's what I'm told, and I'm a sheep. I'll be told, whatever, that's fine. I'll follow. I'll be going back today. Keep you updated on that. Let's get into today's show, shall we, rather than talking about chiropractic care. Unless you want us to create a spinoff show on chiropractics, that's fine. We can do it. It's our rules here. Today, we're going to talk about five areas of opportunity for the 2023 season. Now, I am the least, the least, what's the word? I'm going to have to pause for a second, scratch my chin a little bit, and really figure out what the best word is here. The least into, that's a word. That, that's the best word I can find here. Apologies. Giving a, a clean, round number like five. Usually you have your top five, your top ten, your top threes, whatever. I'm given five, not because I gave myself a number of five when I started doing some research and said, hey, you need to find five, even if the final two are bad. No, that's not how it went. I simply found five, and that's how it worked out. 
five areas of opportunity. So I'm going to go through five areas of opportunity for Ohio State from the previous season in terms of how they played, in terms of how they scored, defensively, things like that. It's going to be a highly analytical show, and I highly recommend staying through to the end. I'm very proud of what I've put together here. You should be proud, curious to hear what I've got to say. So let's get into it, shall we? Now, this first point of emphasis is not all that analytical, okay? It's not. Apologies from the start. The next four will be highly, highly analytical. This first one, not as analytical because it's just hard to find stats out there for it. But we all know it was an issue last season. Now that I've built the wonder in your brain, I'll say it. Number one area of opportunity for Ohio State next season is breaking the press slash dealing with pressure. We saw Ohio State multiple times last season be slowed down or need to call timeouts or turn the ball over when pressure was ratcheted up or when they just went full court press on Ohio State. At times, you saw Bruce Thornton bringing up the ball. Then it was Isaac Likely. Then it was Justice Suing. Then it was, I don't know who else, said Key at some point probably, along with Felix Akpara. Ohio State couldn't find a solution to deal with pressure last season, and that was a huge issue because Chris Holtman had to burn timeouts, especially on what we call slobs. That would be sideline out-of-bounds plays. Slobs were a huge issue in the backcourt for Ohio State, and that's the spot where they need to improve this season. We saw it at times against Purdue, Iowa, Michigan State. The list goes on in terms of teams that brought pressure against Ohio State, and they couldn't handle it. And that's not good, and that's part of the reason why they finished 16-19 and 19 and 13th in the Big Ten. Partly the reason, not a major reason, but at least partly the reason. So Ohio State definitely needs to find a consistent ball handler. By the way, do you hear this? You hear that? That is some low-quality paper that I scooped up after searching for about 10 minutes and assuming there was no paper at my local Dollar General, also known as the Doge or the DG, where I'm from. Scooped up some paper. I've had a printer for a year and a half now. Maybe a year. Let's go a year on the on the safe side. Even less than a year, potentially. Not a year and a half, though. And, you know, when I'm doing these shows, I'm always looking at my screen, on my laptop, looking at my notes. Just feels good. Feels good to have some old-fashioned paper to look off of for my notes here. I can write down notes if I think of something. I can cross things out. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. So I'm reading off my notes here. Not necessarily. I'm using my notes as talking points, as any great public speaker should. I have no idea where I stopped with the ball handlers. But regardless, whoever this ball handler is going to be this year for Ohio State, whether it's Bruce Thornton, Dale Bonner, Taysen Chapman, or otherwise, Ohio State needs to find a consistent ball handler who can move the ball up the court, not get frazzled, and allow the Buckeyes to not have to call timeouts and not force turnovers as well. So that's Maybe not the number one area of improvement, but it's an easy one for Ohio State. And it's the first one I'm bringing up. Now, I need to have a sip of water. 
That's good. That's some good once filtered water from, from my Brita. All right, let's move along now. Point number two, and, and this is probably my favorite one. Number two area of opportunity for Ohio State this season. It's more success from the three-point line. Now, at this point, you may have let out a slight gasp. Gasp. That's a tough word to pronounce. You may be saying, Ohio State's a great three-point shooting team. Why in the world would they need to shoot better? Now, that's not what I said. I didn't say they needed to shoot better. I just said they need more success. Ohio State last season was the third best three-point shooting team based on percentage in the Big Ten at 36.8%. That's really, really solid. However, they only made the ninth most threes in the Big Ten last season at 6.8 per game. So if you're the third best shooting team, yet you're only making the ninth best shot, what does that mean? It means you're not taking enough shots from deep. They attempted 18.63s per game last season. Do you know where that falls among every team in the nation? I'll answer that for you. Spoiler alert. That's on the 17th percentile. 17th percentile, taking 18.5 three-pointers per game. Not good if you're going to be that good of a three-point shooting team. Now, if you're 17th percentile in three-pointers made, I get it. But if you're going to be near the top percentile in three-pointers made per game, and I'm going to try to find that really quickly, if you don't mind, yeah, 90th percentile. This this is mind-blowing to me, and it should be at least mind-boggling to you as well, that Ohio State was in the 90th percentile in three-point percentage last season, yet the 17th percentile in shots attempted per game from deep. So I'm not saying Ohio State needs to necessarily be better in terms of making shots. No, they just need to shoot more. And this could potentially stem from another issue, and that's assist percentage. They're in the fourth percentile, fourth percentile, and assist percentage last year at 43.2%. Now, let's take a look at individually this team. This is actually a concern for me. This is a legitimate concern for Ohio State men's basketball next season, that's probably going to get overlooked, but not by me. Far be it from me to overlook Ohio State's potential issue of making three-pointers next year. Not going to be me. Chris Holtman's team's typically very good, efficient offensively. They typically got a great offensive rating, net rating, all those types of things, which they did last year. I'm not going to overlook it. Many might. Not me. Here's the thing. Of the top seven three-point shooters from last season, only two return. That's Roddy Gale, and that's Bruce Thornton. You know who the top shooters were from deep last season for Ohio State? You're never going to guess the first guy. Maybe you would, if you're really into the numbers. It was actually Tanner Holton. He made half of his three-point attempts from deep. 50% last season. He's gone. Now, was he a major contributor? No. Did he shoot a lot? No. But he was up there. He's number one. Now, Bowen Hardman, percentage-wise, is number two. He's 50%. I don't know if he was two for four or four for eight, but something similar to that. So we'll skip him. He does. He's not included here in these top seven shooters. After that, it's actually Roddy Gale at 42.9%. He shot enough to actually qualify and be a reliable threat for Ohio State. 
Then the next two guys are gone. Bryce Sensenbaugh, 40.5%. And Eugene Brown the third. Hello? Eugene Brown the third was the next best three-point shooter for Ohio State. That's 37.5%. I throw him in here just because he did play 22 games. Obviously, he was injured to start the year. But I put him in here. He averaged 10 minutes a game. Averaged 2.2 points per game. I'm going to throw him in here because... He deserves it. He's gone. He would have gotten minutes this year. So there's that. Bruce Thornton is the next one on the list at 37.5%. I wanted to do something cool with his his stats. I'll talk about that in a second. I wasn't really able to find anything. That's a spoiler there. And then Sean McNeil's gone after that. And then Justice Suing, gone after that. You're left with Zed Key, who shot a shiny 29.2% last season. Felix Akpara, 20%. I don't remember, was it the Iowa game where he just decided to throw up an air ball to start the game and wouldn't recommend that. Owen Spencer, Kobe Bauman still on the team. You look individually, Ohio State as a whole, they're losing five of their top seven shooters from a season ago. Roddy Gale, best shooter on the team from deep in terms of percentage, 42.9%. Need to get more shots from him. He needs to be consistently successful from three. Bruce Thornton, here's the stat I was talking about. I was curious, is he a better shooter to close off the year than he was in the beginning of the year? Now, in the middle of the year, of course he was. He had that little slump, but he shot 37.5% from deep last season. Final eight games, he was 38.2%. So, no difference. A rounding error, some may say. Now, who does Ohio State have coming in? Tayson Chapman, he's going to need to produce. I think he's got the highest potential as a shooter in the class, whether it be transfers or freshmen. He can score as a shooter and off the dribble. So we believe. So he should be able to help. Scotty Middleton, he could surprise. He's a solid spot-up shooter. Is he going to be a solid pull-up? Is he going to be a solid shooter shooting five threes a game? No, probably not. But he could add a couple of shots. Jameson Battle desperately needs to improve as a shooter from deep. He was, I think, 31% last season from deep, which was his worst in college. So hopefully he can figure it out. He can learn just a couple of small tips and tricks from the coaching staff to improve his shooting. So we'll see what he can do there. Dale Bonner, by the way, 37% from three last year and he was also ninth in the nation in assist ratio 98th percentile at 37.2 percent so again to summarize ohio state needs to find who's going to step in and fill the gap as shooters this upcoming season they need to continue to make as many as they made last year they just need to shoot more it may be because of the assist percentage the low assist rate that ohio state had Hopefully, Dale Bonner can help with that, both as a shooter and as a distributor. This Buckeye team can facilitate more. Why do I mention the assist ratio, by the way? Is it a direct correlation to making threes? No. But usually when you're getting assists, it means that you're finding a player who's open who also can make an impact with a shot immediately. So there's that. That's the second area of opportunity for Ohio State this season. Now, the next three, I like a lot. I like them. 
That's that. I just like them. Number three, forcing steals. Ohio State, last season, 7.9% of defensive possessions ended in steals. And that, my friends, is in the 20th percentile. Not good. Now, why is this an issue for Ohio State? They did force some turnovers last year. They did. It wasn't bad in that area. The issue is that when you're forcing turnovers and they're dead ball turnovers, you're not getting the advantage of, first of all, catching the offense off guard. Second of all, you're not forcing the offense to now play behind themselves because, quite frankly, when you get the ball, your defensive players are already facing your hoop, which means all you have to do is sprint forward to start a fast break. Offensively, when you're switching to defense, you don't have to turn around. You may say, Tim, that's really stupid to say. And I reply, no, it isn't. But thanks for your opinion. Because fast break points... Another area of emphasis Ohio State could focus on. Fast break, fast break points and being able to turn, move, get the ball down the floor, off a steal. It's important, but you always have the advantage, and this is why it's more important than just forcing a dead ball turnover. You always have the advantage of you have one to two steps on your opponent because you're sprinting forward while that team is usually turning around and having to head back to play defense. The other advantage that you get from forcing steals, obviously enforcing any turnover, is it's a net gain of plus two. Not only do you take away a possession from your opponent, but you also gain a possession for yourself. And as we know, because we're math buffs here on the Views from the Shot podcast, one, an additional possession of one minus negative one, which is your opponent losing a possession, equals two. So Ohio State, if they can force more steals this season, not necessarily turnovers, but just force more steals and turnovers as well because their turnover ratio, percentage, whatever number you want to use there, turnovers per game, was not very good either. So Ohio State needs to be able to force steals. Scotty Middleton, I think, is going to be a player who's going to help that. Felix Akpara forcing steals, probably not. Blocks, absolutely good. And Ohio State was pretty good. They were above average when it came to forcing blocks last season. Thanks in large part to Felix Akpara. But Scotty Middleton is going to be a guy. Bruce Thornton, if he can improve as a, as a defender, hopefully he can step up, poke some balls away. But Ohio State needs to focus on steals specifically getting out in transition and scoring. That's a big spot for Ohio State. Hear that in the background? That's me flipping my paper. I print front to back, folks. Front to back. We're not wasting paper on this show. Not a tree hugger, though. Don't ever, don't ever call me that. Not that I don't like trees. I love trees. Let's take a sip. Sorry, it's just... I'm thirsty today. I'm not sure why. Just how it goes. All right. Point number five, and you may be saying, well, what about point number four? I'm moving point number five up to point number four because it goes right in line with point number three. Point number four that I'll talk about, fast break points, which comes directly from forcing steals 
and forcing turnovers. If you're wondering why Ohio State was so bad with fast break points last season, well, look no further than the fact that they only forced 10.5 turnovers per game. That's 10th percentile in the NCAA. And of course, we know the steals. That's the reason. Now, fast break points was at 6.4 points per game. That's in the 17th percentile. And only 8.8% of their points came from the fast break, which is in the 12th percentile. Now, why do we care about fast break points? You have to look through this list too. You got to understand, if I'm going to bring something up, then I better be able to back up why it's even important for Ohio State. If I'm going to bring up their offensive rating, I better be able to verbalize why that's important. Fast break points. Why is that important for a team? How does that help them win? Well, I just explained it with the previous point in that you're catching the defense off guard when you have a a, a dead ball out of bounds. The defense gets a chance to move back and to defend the offense rather than reacting. They get a chance to sit down, set up their defense rather than reacting. So why are fast break points important? That is very same reason. You get the chance to get a team off guard. Oftentimes, you're going to get more fouls. And if it's not a foul, you're just going to get higher percentage shots. You get a two-on-one opportunity, a three-on-two opportunity. You've got a breakaway layup or dunk as well. Those are high percentage shots. High percentage shots lead to more shots made. That's math. We're math buffs here. So that's why it's important. And who can Ohio State look to for help this season? One player. One player jumps off the list on the roster this season in terms of who can help, and that is Evan Mahaffey. Evan Mahaffey comes in from Penn State. He played a season with the Nittany Lions, and you look at his his tape, which is out there. It's on YouTube. All of these players that entered the transfer portal, their tape is on YouTube. So check out Evan Mahaffey if you haven't already, but let's face it, if you're 23 minutes into a Ohio State basketball podcast in July, then you're already elbow deep in, in basket bucks, basket bucks content. You're a Buckeye sicko, and you probably already watched it. But if you haven't, you'll see most of his scoring came in transition or off fast breaks. 1.33 points per possession off the fast break is near elite. Evan Mahaffey, phenomenal scoring and transition. Who else can help Ohio State in that regard? Jamison Battle is also going to be a guy. He's got great size, okay speed, I would say. He's a stretch four who can run the floor and help Ohio State in transition, hopefully get out in, in passing lanes, break up some passes, and move the ball to Ohio State's offense, let them move. Scotty Middleton, maybe, just because of his frame. And Taysom Chapman, too, has got a good ability to finish at the rim good shooter so hopefully some of those guys can step up and help Ohio State have the ability to score in transition but you're going to be looking at Evan Mahaffey almost not exclusively here but if anyone's going to step up and just score a lot in transition it's going to be him he may only get 15 minutes a game or 10 minutes a game probably will be more than that but he's going to be the guy where if he's on the floor and if a transition or, or, or sorry, a turnover is forced and the Buckeyes are running out in transition, Mahaffey will be the guy who you hope gets the ball and is able to score. He's a good finisher. He's your classic slasher, slashing wing. Okay. Last point here. And I told you you should stick around for all five of these. So if you've tuned out, you're not hearing me speak right now. 
The only reason you are hearing me speak is because you haven't tuned out, and I thank you for that. It will be rewarded. Maybe not today, but sometime. Last point for Ohio State. They've got to get to the free throw line more often. Now, here's where I just really dug deep into the numbers. Which number do I want to go with first? Hmm. As I look off my my physical copy of my show notes. We'll start at the top. Last season, they shot 15.6 free throws per game. 15.6 free throw attempts per game. And that's in the 13th percentile in the NCAA. Now, they did make nearly 74% of their free throws last season, and that throws them into the 72nd percentile. So this is very similar to the three-point shooting topic that I spoke about. Now you're hearing me flip my paper. So Ohio State, when it came to three-point shooting, percentile-wise in terms of making three-pointers, 90th percentile. In terms of getting enough shots up, 17th percentile. Flip the paper. Free throws. Very similar. Okay? 13th percentile in shots attempted from the free throw line. 72nd percentile in terms of free throws. Free throw percentage, I should say. So what does that mean? It means the Buckeyes need to get to the free throw line. But there's a caveat here. You only want your shooters or your free throw shooters to get to the free throw line if they're good at shooting free throws, right? Now, under Chris Holtman, Ohio State, in the past, what's it been? Six years now that Chris Holtman has been with the Buckeyes? Over six years, I did the math. As a team, they shoot 75% from the free throw line. Last year, Ohio State's top three free throw shooters are gone. Sean McNeil, gone. 89% shooter. Tanner Holden, 86% shooter, gone. Bryce Sensenball, 83% shooter, gone. That's not good. You get Roddy Gale back, Justice Suing gone, Bruce Thornton is back. So just like the the three-point shooting stat that I gave, five of the top seven shooters from the three last year are now gone for Ohio State. Well, five of the top seven free throw shooters for Ohio State are gone. Taysen Chapman will step in, and he's going to make a, fr- a lot of free throws. Dale Bonner, solid free throw shooter as well. So they're going to replace some of that, but... This is only an area of emphasis if Ohio State thinks, and if they're ever going to follow my advice, that's probably not something that they should do. But if they were to say, hey, we need to get to the free throw line more this season, they better make sure they've got shooters who can actually hit those shots. Ohio State, by the way, they also shot the least amount of free throws last season under Chris Holtman, 545 attempts. The most they've shot in a season, by the way, 664, they've had three seasons, sorry, four seasons in which they've shot 600 free throws or more. Two seasons, they didn't shoot 600 free throws or more. That was last season and two seasons ago. So maybe it's just not a point of emphasis. Maybe the Buckeyes just don't have the players, the system, whatever, in which they're focusing on getting their their offensive weapons to the free throw line. That could be it. It also could be the fact that Ohio State was the thickest team in the NCAA last year. I'm sorry. Ice likely. You're probably not going to get a lot of calls. Bruce Thornton as a point guard. Pretty thick. Not going to get a lot of calls. Felix Akpara, however, not the thickest. Although he's getting thicker. You may call it the thickening. 
That could be a thing. We could make that a thing, the thickening. So with a thick team like that, you're not going to have a lot of guys who are getting calls and getting to the line. That may have something to do with it as well, just the sheer mass of the team, but probably not. We know Big Ten basketball. It's ugly. It's not clean. It's not polished. It's ugly. Officials let it be that way, and that's fine. I'm not here to, to complain about that. But if Ohio State is going to continue to shoot the ball well from the free throw line, a 75% team under Chris Holtman, 74% team last season, that's 72nd percentile. That's good. It's not elite. It is good. It's very far above average. Then I would say that we should be focusing on getting to the line more if I'm a member of the Ohio State staff. So we'll see if that's something they do. I don't know. Maybe one day we'll find out. We probably will. So that's the last point of emphasis, I would say, for Ohio State. So let me summarize this for you. Shall we? Areas of opportunity for Ohio State. Number one, breaking the press and handling pressure. Number two, having more success from three. They're a good three-point shooting team, but they don't shoot enough from three. Number three is forcing steals and forcing non-dead ball turnovers. Did I say number three or number four there? I hope I said number three, because number four is scoring more on the fast break. Number five, getting to the free throw line more often, so long as, disclaimer, what's that? You know when you press shift and eight, what's that symbol called? The, looks like a snowflake. I can't remember what that's called, and that's going to bug me. And that makes me look pretty dumb, too. I, I, you know what I could do? I could stop recording right now, look it up, and then re-communicate the last 30 seconds. I won't. I'm here for you. I'm vulnerable. I'm real. Keep it real. I can't remember what that's called. Mm. Yeah, I can't remember. And you know what? I'm not going to look it up either. So those are five areas of opportunity for the Ohio State men's basketball team heading into the 2023-2024 season. Where will we go from here? You may be wondering. A natural transition would be to talk about where Ohio State needs to continue to be successful. That's probably what we'll cover on the next show next week. I appreciate you being here as always. It means the world to me. I love the DMs. I love the tweets. The likes, all of those types of things. Remember when they were called favorites on Twitter, by the way? It means a lot to me. Appreciate all the love and support that we get. Please continue to tell your friends about the show. It may get big, and you're going to want to be here early on. So you can say, hey, I was here when it was the summer, and we were talking about jersey numbers, by the way. Thank you again for listening to the Views from the Shop podcast presented by Big Banter. I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks.